The board put a crazy hippie in charge, and he's going to kill the company. Unknown Wall Street trader. Welcome to A New Order of Things. I'm your host, Eddie Killian, and this is a weekly podcast where creating conversations and community around building winning individuals and organizations is our goal. I read a lot. And one of my favorite business books is Charles Duhigg's The Power of Habit. Along with being all about how habits work in good ways and bad, Duhigg includes a story about the positive organizational change an obscure lawyer-come-CEO of a massive global company created unintended culture change using safety as his foot in the door. This lawyer-slash-CEO is, in my mind, one of the greatest CEOs in history, and yet most of you have likely never heard of him. If you have heard of him, chances are good you don't know why I think he's so great. And I intend to change that over the next few episodes. That's right, we're heading into another multi-part series. The Aluminum Company of America was founded in 1888. You and I know this organization by its more common name, Alcoa. An innovating conglomerate dealing with all phases of aluminum production. Global operations include mining and transporting of the raw materials, refining of those materials by manipulating in a molten state, and forcing the metal into a myriad of everyday things like boats and aluminum foil and cars and wire and structural pieces of buildings. Since 1973, when deaths and injuries were mandated to be reported by the newly created Operational Safety and Health Organization, OSHA, On average, two Alcoa employees per week were injured badly enough to see a doctor. Three to five deaths occurred annually. In 1987, Alcoa's total recordable incident rate, which is called a TRIR, was 1.86. In civilian terms, this means that it equates to about 93 injuries that required doctor services and or hospital per year. In the 14 years following, the company had dropped recordable injuries to 12 per year. Between 1987 and 2000, Alcoa had raised its income by five times the company's market value, increasing from $3 billion to over $27 billion. And what happened during this period that caused all these amazing changes in safety and revenue? In 1987, Paul O'Neill came into his CEO position, hot and heavy, with safety as his main thing. During his introduction to the Wall Street investors and analysts, O'Neill stunned and scared the lot when he said, I intend to make Alcoa the safest company in America. And he didn't talk about shareholder dividends or how he was going to expand into new markets like all the other incoming CEOs always do. He spoke to safety. Nobody talks about safety. Some moments later, O'Neill gave an overview plan. If you, the shareholders... Want to understand how Alcoa is doing, you need to look at our workplace safety figures. If we bring our injury rates down, it won't be because of cheerleading or the nonsense you sometimes hear from other CEOs. It will be because the individuals in this company have agreed to become part of something important. They've devoted themselves to creating a habit of excellence. Safety will be an indicator that we are making progress in changing our habits across the institution. And that's how we should be judged. 
Within a year of that speech, and contrary to common belief, Alcoa's profits hit an all-time high. And incidents, accidents, and deaths were at an all-time low. I ran to a payphone in the lobby and called my 20 largest clients and told them, the board put a crazy hippie in charge and he's going to kill the company. One attending investor remembers, I ordered them to sell their stock immediately before anyone else in the room started calling their clients and telling them the same thing. Shaking his head, it was literally the worst piece of advice I gave in my entire career. The hippie that the, this sorrowful Wall Street investor speaks of wasn't a hippie at all. Paul H. O'Neill was born on December 4th in 1935 in St. Louis, Missouri. It was a Wednesday. And he met the woman that would become his wife while in Anchorage High School, from where they both graduated in 1954. Earning his bachelor's in economics from California State University, Fresno, and shortly after, Paul received a master's degree in public administration from Indiana University. Moments before our panicky investor called his top 20, Paul O'Neill had completed his introductory speech as the new CEO of the Aluminum Company of America. It was October 1987. After graduating from Indiana University in 1960, Paul took a job as a mid-level manager at the Veterans Administration. When President Johnson wanted to implement technology into the governmental services, Paul O'Neill was recruited as a computer systems analyst at the Office of Management and Budget, known as the OMB. He worked there during the Johnson administration and the Nixon era. It was during President Ford's tenure that Paul was promoted to the role of deputy director. And during this period, O'Neill began to understand organizational habits. I'll return to this shortly. Stay tuned. In 1977, O'Neill left government service. After 17 years served, he moved his family north to Connecticut. Paul took a role at International Paper in New York City. In 1985, he was nominated to president and served the organization well until 1987. It was this year the board of a floundering Alcoa asked O'Neill to take the reins of the organization as CEO. Critics were saying that workers were not adaptable and the product quality was waning. The safety record for the operation was even poorer, averaging one injury per week, causing one or more days of the worker missing work. There's a metric we talked about earlier that's called the Total Recordable Incident Rate, TRIR. This is the number of recordable incidents where a worker misses a day of work at a minimum, and you multiply that by 200,000, which is the total number of average hours worked annually in an organization. At this point, Alcoa's TRIR was 1.86. 1.86, remember we talked about this earlier, that equates to 93 injuries where people ended up seeing a doctor in the hospital missing a day of work minimum per year, 93 per year. Paul and his wife liked living in Connecticut. Moving to Pittsburgh, where Alcoa was headquartered, was not very enticing. But instead of turning the board down immediately, Paul asked for some time to think about it, and the board agreed. Decades prior, during his time at Fresno State, O'Neill had drafted a list of things that he wanted to accomplish in his life. Somewhere near the top, and he doesn't remember where exactly, he wrote, make a difference. Now, with the Alcoa board waiting impatiently, Paul pondered, how could he make a difference at Alcoa? 
And the answer that he came up with in those few short days? Safety. Well, I think we've done a good job of introducing Paul O'Neill. In the coming episodes, we will continue to explore how Paul changed Alcoa and dive deeper into his ideas, reasoning, and real-world observations and how his actions are pertinent within our lives, business, and organizations today. Links to all the quoted sources are in the show notes and the transcript on my website, Eddie Killian. And join me next Tuesday as we continue to travel the path of what is difficult, perilous, and uncertain as we explore introducing a new order of things. For exclusive content, notifications of each episode release, and sign up for my newsletter, head over to the website, eddiekillian.com. Click on the link in the show notes and join the conversation, or contact me directly at interesting at eddiekillian.com. A New Order of Things is available to listen to completely free on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts and all the other places that you choose to find your podcasts. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave a quick review. Oh, and please share A New Order of Things with friends and coworkers. Make it a great day.